Good evening, everyone, and welcome to High Spirits. I'm Jay Stegman, and with me, as always, is my best pal, Noelle Schmidt. That's right. Hi, everybody. Welcome to High Spirits. This is a show in which we drink alcohol and we talk about ghosts. Yes. I almost forgot how this went. Oh, did you? In my name. I was like, oh, it's my turn to talk. <laughs> yeah, it has been a hot minute. It has. I'm surprised has. I even like remembered what that intro was. You were, you nailed it. Yeah, well, I'm a profesh. You are really good at this, where I was like, oh, it's my turn. Um, yeah, hi, everybody. Sorry yeah. we've been away. I'm, I won't apologize for anything. What is that line, life is the thing that happens when you have plans? Nope. <laughs> Where's that from? That's not it. Did Some, you just make that up, though? Uh, I ripped, pretty good. I ripped it off. Oh, okay. Um, from somebody, but I think it's it's definitely stated better than I just did. Life is what happens when you're not making when, plans. When you're busy making plans. Oh, when you're busy making plans. Is that what it is? Who is that busy? I don't know. This looks or like when you're a, not making plans. It would be one of the things that you'd find like on a like piece of wood engraved. Yeah. And being sold in like uh, Door County, Wisconsin. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, like my other home is a fishing boat. <laughs> right. My other car is a broomstick. Uh, it's <laughs> now I'm looking it up. Life is what happens when you're busy. I think it's making plans, making other plans. Who plans that much? I don't. I don't know. I mean, I think that we're pretty, pretty well planned. Okay. I'm just saying. I, I feel like it. It reeks of hyperbole. It does. It does. I mean, it's just a thing that somebody said once, and then everybody was like, "That's good. That's deep." I'm gonna put that on a T-shirt. Yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile, people are like, well, I just won't make any more plans. I think life passes you by no matter what. Right. We might I'm, want to look into that, right? Right. I'm going to stop planning things, and I'm just going to wait for things to happen to me. I think you should plan more. Do you? Yeah. Okay. I want to take a drink to that. <laughs> Speaking of, Jay, what are you drinking tonight? Oh, that was a really good segue and a good point as mm-hmm. well. A good visual. We're on fire. <laughs> um, I'm drinking Bud Light, and every once in a while, I'm squeezing squeezing real lime 100% lime juice into it. So I'm, this is a homemade Bud Light lime. Is it really 100% lime juice? This yeah. says 100% lime juice. Okay. Guys, it doesn't taste that way. <laughs> That's what I'm asking. Because no, it tastes in, like antifreeze. Really? Which I do enjoy the taste. It looks like antifreeze. It doesn't have like a natural lime juice. Oh my God. The new, uh, the new summer beer from Half Acre yeah. just came out. I can't remember what it's called, but I had a sip of it and I was like, I was like, oh, this is like if Bud Light mixed with sunscreen, and I can't tell if I like it or I hate it. Didn't they have that before? I Maybe. feel like we've experienced that one before. It's got like a hint of coconut that really doesn't come off as coconut. It comes off as like a, like um, yeah, comes off as sunscreen. Yeah. And you ended up really liking it. I think that's what's happening. Yeah, that's we've done this story. Oh, we've already done this song and dance. But I don't think on the show. I think we've done it like at well, a in bar real life. in real life. Because <laughs> I was like, um, I'm just looking at my, the ingredients. Taking list. my lime juice back from you. Stop touching it. <laughs> I just wanted to check out the ingredients. See with your eyes. Not with your hands. Really was 100 percent lime juice. I really sort of just stole that back from you. Um, uh, what are you drinking? Okay. Uh, I'm drinking Prophecy Pinot Noir. It's a Pinot from uh, California. Prophecy, it'll get you drunk. Is that what it? That's what it's. That's what it says. Yeah. No. Doesn't it say something like more like our libations will cause merriment? <laughs> I feel like that's the way. That's definitely better to advertise, especially because it has drunk. a li- adjuster on the outside with a sunflower and sure. a hobo bag. Yeah. 
So and two woofers and some woofers. Yeah, this is confusing. It is a it's a it's a interesting complex notion. Well, it looks like it's like or a hot mess depending on or a hot mess. How well, you're it looks things. like this jester lady. It's a woman. Uh, is on some kind of distant planet too. Like it's kind of oh. like a rocky, like it's a different atmosphere. I was just thinking it's, it's like New Mexico. It could be New Mexico. Yeah, too. it's either um, not of this planet or New Mexico. Right. Yeah. Which I think New Mexicans play that game all the time when they're confused. They're yeah, like, they dress face or here. Get your jester costume on. We're <laughs> we're hoboing it across the desert. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're very artsy down there, and they have they a lot are. of uh, ufologists. <laughs> they do. Which is fun. Uh, Roswell. Um, they sure do. Um, I've never been to New Mexico. I'd like to go someday. Have you been? No. Okay. But we know that they're artsy. Yeah. All the turquoise is from there, right? Turquoise. Turquoise. Yes. Oh, my Get God. Get all of that beautiful jewelry. Sure. Sure. I feel like if you are going to wear turquoise, you have to wear, like, there. it doesn't come in a small form. It only comes in, like, large jewelry, right? Yeah, I think one should only wear jewelry if they've committed to the caftan. <laughs> like, <laughs> and when I say commit to the jewelry, I really mean, like, go hard. Like, we need earrings, we need necklaces, right. we need toe rings, we need, like, you need to ooze turquoise. You do, and then you have, like, a fine pair of moccasins. With turquoise. With turquoise, like, the braided... Uh, beads. I had a you pair. You get it. It's like you know. I do. I had a pair of moccasins that I loved very much, really? and I don't know what happened to them. Cultural appropriation. Probably. Probably. Yeah. I got poofed. them at. <laughs> they disappeared. I think I got them at a, a secondhand store when I was in college. Sure. And isn't uh, that interesting? There was like a year. I think it was 2016 where the items that we had bought that were questionable just poofed. It definitely went away. I think I was yeah. like, I shouldn't have this anymore. Mm-hmm. But in, like, 1999, I was like, cool. Yeah. This is going to totally vibe with my hippie spirit. <laughs> that hippie spirit went away pretty quickly. <laughs> yeah. And here we are. You're lucky to have experienced it just for the moment. I was in the moment. Mm-hmm. And now I'm out. Well, guys, uh, welcome <laughs> to the show uh, where we talk about ghosts. Yes. Noelle. You were going to, we, you and I had an offline conversation uh, about a month ago about Lorraine Warren. <laughs> we did. Who, uh, our dearly beloved uh, matron of the show, I want to say. Yes. Um, <clears throat> Lorraine Warren is now uh, a ghost. She is out in the ether. Mm-hmm. She passed away. She passed away. Great long life. Hopefully the end went fast. I hope so too. She's awesome. Lovely woman. <clears throat> Um, I wonder... Ghost hunting in heaven. Ghost hunting... Well, here's my question. Is ghost hunting in and of itself heaven? Oh, good question. (laughs) (laughs) This is just a philosophical (laughs) moment for us. Well, I'm wondering, because she was a clairvoyant Mm. of some sort, um, or a psychic medium, what happens to that when you are in heaven? Does that go away? Like, or Oh, the need to read others, or the need to read the future. I suppose. I guess it's always sunny Wednesday and 72 degrees. Right? Like, she doesn't Again, that's she doesn't sort of it. an existential thing. Like, is ghost hunting heaven? Did I describe a sunny afternoon in San Diego? Sure. Is that heaven? Yeah, like, is, what is... We don't know what heaven is. Is right. heaven different for everybody? Like, is Lorraine finally released of her burden? Or is she now every single day in a basement sm- smelling sulfur and exercising demons with beloved Ed? Or maybe it's not Ed... Oh my god! 
No, it's sad. Yeah, put it's, it back together. It's sad. They're story. back together. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I was wondering that. Like, what happens now? Or is she... to me, that would be like her heaven. It wouldn't be like I'm on a cloud and I'm resting. It'd be like right. She gets a new demon every day to to fucks with. Yeah, I like that. I yeah. like that. She's. Like, I mean, I hope that's. that's I hope what she's battle- me. Yeah, like she is now like part of the army and she's yeah. battling demons from above. Good. Yes. Or she's just like hanging out in the um, their museum. Yeah, for sure. The Warrens, whatever that was called, the occult museum. I think it is the occult museum. Yeah. I wonder what's going to happen with that. Probably uh, Tony's going to take over. St- you got to step in. Well, you got to... Tony. Keep Annabelle behind that glass. <laughs> right. Do not touch. Do not touch. Do not touch. What an active little we'll spirit. Will cause you to drive your motorcycle into a tree. I mean, most... Yep. Um. Yeah. So, uh, real quick, um, uh, just saw some friends of mine who, um, unfortunately, are friends of the show... Ghost Adventures or Ghost Adventures, you know, featuring our friend Zach Baggins mm-hmm. um, and his stupid glasses and pants. Um, and apparently it's evolved and now Zach Baggins gets possessed all the time. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so. I mean, only the good die young. Only the good die young. So we wish You're nothing have, yeah. but the best for him. Uh, go visit his weird house thing in a haunted house in um, Las Vegas I guess does he have an attraction he does have an attraction he bought a big huge building that allegedly was haunted it's um, in between I've only driven by it it's in between the strip and uh, downtown Las Vegas or old Vegas yeah yeah, so because well, you know me in Old Vegas, you love it there. I love it. You love you some old there, Vegas. Fremont Street. It's beautiful. That's my favorite part. Mm-hmm. Um, Come and get a treat. So <laughs> you should probably go back there, uh-huh. um, and then we'll just walk by Zagan, Bagan, Zagan's Baggins place and just say fuck you, Zach Baggins. Oh, um, I'm going in. Okay, can we see ghosts? We can see ghosts. Okay. Uh, so Zach Baggins allegedly. Plus, uh, I'm from the Midwest. I don't say fuck you until after the experience. <laughs> That's fair. So Zach Baggins, uh, uh, I guess, has been um, getting possessed on air often, or like they That's go into wonderful. a place and he's like feeling the spirit. Um, but he seems very smart. Are they communicating um, with him because he's uh, of higher intelligence? Sure. Uh, <laughs> or maybe he's just open to it. Because I have sure. to say this, like, like to all my dearly departed loved ones. Please don't bother coming straight to me with any information. No. Take that over to Vegas. Hit up Zach Baggins. I want to hear, listen, I want to hear my great aunt talk to me with, like, a bro voice. <laughs> hey, oh, Jay. You don't gotta, you come in here. Don't you come in here. I got unfinished business with you. <laughs> well, apparently he'll, like, just look far off in the distance and then he'll be like, I don't feel right. Oh my god! And then he just has like a goofy smile on his face, or at least I didn't bother to teach him to act, though. That would be really disconcerting if he did it well. It it would be very disappointing. Um, Because Amy Allen does such a good job with her. I mean, listen, it's gotten a little crazy, but her acting skills are not that bad. No, she makes me spooked. Yeah, or when she feels something, when she feels the pain. Yeah, I feel like she is really hurting, even though we know better. Correct. Nothing is happening. But so, sorry that show took a twist. I used to be that show's biggest fan, and now I know it's number one disser. They really let us just down. like Madonna. <gasps> Same. Mm-hmm. She really let us down. Mm-hmm. She's performing at the Chicago Theater. Madge. Madge. Soon. I just saw a thing for it. You're gonna have to paper the theater. Maybe. 
such a shitty thing. I'm to sure say. she'll find fans somewhere. Um, okay, well, so I wanted to say that <laughs> Zach Baggins is not the first to claim possession. Ooh. Uh, and and maybe commit a crime. I don't know that. I'm not saying that Zach Baggins has committed crimes, but I'm not saying he has. Yeah. Right? Why Why would you not commit a crime? I don't know. Especially if you're possessed, that gives you free reign because you can make the case of the devil made me do it as in the case of the trial of Arnie Cheyenne Johnson. Is that our topic for this evening? That's our topic for this evening. Hey, all right. So the devil made me do it. The devil made me do it. His name is Arnie Cheyenne. Arnie Cheyenne Johnson. Is Cheyenne in quotes? No. He goes by Arnie. I think Cheyenne might be his middle name. Who? That is just such an odd stacking. I don't know. We'll call him Arnie for your uncle. It's an honor. Arnie. We'll call him Cheyenne. It's a Connecticut, Brookfield, Connecticut. So, Ooh. yeah, I don't know. So I bet, I bet that they were wearing a lot of turquoise. I'm sure. They had to. They must have been. Right? So Arnie gets Let me tell you possessed. about Arnie. Yeah, listen up. So in 1980, Arnie Johnson and his girlfriend, Debbie Glatzel, moved into a rental party property. Um... Debbie's younger brother, David, uh, joined them to help with the move. And um, while they were moving, he was being a kid. He was a a younger kid, like around the age of 12. Um, And he wasn't really helping. And they were like, can you please just go do something in here? Um, And then he claimed that he was pushed by an old man. um, And they thought that he was just making it up because he didn't want to help. Um, but then he kind of like freaked out and he went and sat outside and he didn't really want to like be in the house anymore. The, the day they were moving in, he was pushed by an old man? Correct. Got it. And how old was Arnie? Um, Arnie 12? and no, so David is the young boy who's about 12. Okay. Uh, I don't know how old Arnie and Debbie were. They were probably like in their late teens, early 20s. Got let's it. say. They're young people. Um, David later said that the old man warned him not to move into the house. And and didn't speak up a little bit for everybody else. No. And come all that way from the other realm. No. Why whisper? I don't know. That's what I ask all ghosts. I don't know. Well, David was clearly the only one who was uh, listening. Yeah. Um, he also claimed that the old man appeared as a demonic beast. Oh. <laughs> Soon after, <laughs> David began exhibiting clairvoyant abilities. Well, that's fun. Yeah. I mean, I bet he was um, experiencing all all wonderful um, flash forwards of the great things that would happen to humankind. Well, it was mostly centered around uh, Arnie and, and Debbie. Okay. Um, he predicted that there would be a murder. A murder? In the future. Mm-hmm. And that they shouldn't move into the house. That he was going to kill if her? Bad, that bad things were going to happen. No, that he was going to kill someone else. Arnie was. Arnie was. Damn, dude. Um, he also began having visions that showed um, the demonic beast muttering in Latin and threatened, um, threatening to steal his soul. How does one mutter in Latin? I don't know. It's not a rambling language. I don't know. I don't. Yeah, it's pretty pronounced. It really is. Yeah. I, well. This demon was doing it. I like it. Uh, David had night p- terrors. He exhibited strange behaviors and showed un- showed unexplained bruises and scratches. So, you know, your typical possession. Demon stuff. Yeah. So the family called a Catholic priest. Nope. Catholic priest came out. 
and uh, decided that the house was evil. <laughs> and so then... Who are you going to call? You're the Catholic priest. The priest. Now, now, now. And they're just going to be like, yeah, mm-hmm. your house is haunted by a demon. Well, then no we're not going to live here anymore. <laughs> and that's what they did. They moved? They moved out. Oh, my God. This is the shortest. I know. And we're done. Ever. Yeah. So they did the logical thing. They moved out. They didn't bother with trying to exercise um, the demon based Stay on the... Stay tuned. Well. They moved out of the house. Moved in. Oh, you were being serious. Yeah. I thought moved. that was a bit. No. Hell yeah. No, they did move out. And they moved in with Debbie's mom. Uh, and um, 12 days after the incident, the family employs Ed and Lorraine Warren... Whoa, you did a tie-in. <laughs> I did. I didn't know you were going to do a tie-in. Oh, yeah, we're doing a tie-in. Okay. When yeah. I mentioned um, Lorraine skis, I was just saying no, about this, a sweet mama. This is for Lorraine. Oh, my God, pour one out. And I have a bonus one if we have time. Hell, yeah. Yes. These are the lesser-known Ed and Lorraine stories. Oh, my God. Yeah. It's a good one. Sweet. The other one may be better. Okay. Why start with excellence? I know. (laughs) Because we need to go out with a bang. Mm -hmm. Um, So Lorraine, uh, when they met with David, she saw a black mist materialize next to him, which, of course, is the symbol for a demon. Is it? According to Lorraine, it is. Yeah. So first I've heard something like that. Lorraine sees black mist, demon. (laughs) Um, (laughs) You've got a demon next to you. Oh, no. Oh, my. (laughs) Oh, no. <laughs> um, Debbie and her mother told... It's very impolite to be to just be in someone's home. Out, spirit. Yeah, out, out. Uh, Debbie and her mother told them that they had seen David uh, be attacked and choked by invisible hands, um, and there were red marks on his neck. Uh, David began growling and hissing. He spoke in strange voices and recited passages from the Bible or Paradise Lost. Oh, interchangeably, huh? Yes, interchangeably. And how how would a child uh, have bored themselves to death with Milton's Paradise Lost? Clearly, this must be a work of a very literate demon. Right. Of course, David is on the honor roll and at yeah. this prestigious prep school in town, but that's besides the point. Where they teach Latin and study Milton. Um, Milton was blind and had a very uh, weird relationship with his daughter, I feel. Milton did? Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't know much about him, so that's interesting to me. Yeah. What kind of, like, incestual? No. Um. I mean, weirdly, like, more unusual. It was just like... Okay. It was, like... Almost, dare I say, like, the, the Donald Trump and Ivanka relationship. Okay. Like, it was very, like, work-wife sort of deal. Yeah. That is interesting. Um, I think Freud kind of had the same thing with his daughter, but... Uh, she... So Milton's daughter had to, like, write down all of his um, dictation because he couldn't see. Okay. This Makes is sense. Um, predating the Braille days. But right. But, yeah, so he would make her... He was, a like, a um, writer. He write uh, most days and make her take mm-hmm. all the notes for him. So okay. I think she was a little bit captive. Got it. Okay. Let's, let's write that 400-year wrong. Oof. People gonna know. What, yeah. When were the Milton's hot and heavy? I'll find out. <laughs> if you could, if you could, yeah, look at that. But Let's we can make it, to... we can make it right, right now. I know. I mean, the damage is pretty much done. Uh, she's still a young girl. She can, a oh, young woman. She can be unbrainwashed, right? Right? 
<laughs> right? Okay. Uh, he died in uh, 1674. All right. Yeah. So it's been a, it's been a minute. Well, and, that, and during those times too, they were like marrying their da- daughters off. So it was like an exchange. I don't think that she. I don't think that she ever got married. I just well, that's what it. I'm saying. Like, you're if you had a daughter, like she basically became a way to like connect families, or yeah. like it was a business interaction. So like he used her for business. Yeah, that's unfortunate. Yeah. Ugh. Poor Anywho-so. Emily Milton. Is that her name? I don't think Elvira. so. Elvira. Uh, <laughs> I wanted you to give her like a shockingly like a modern name, like Cheyenne. <laughs> Poor Cheyenne Milton. Oh, Sherika Milton. Um, she and her father just were <laughs> generations apart. He was a 1650s guy. She was more of a 15 or 1670s kind of girl. How did they make it work? Oh, that's a com- will be happening. <laughs> the Miltons. Um. Amazing. Okay. Uh, where were we? Uh, da- so David was um, reciting passages from the Bible or Paradise Lost. Um, a family member stayed with him during the night. At, oh, a family member was always like um, assigned to stay with him during the night to monitor him through spasms and convulsions. Um, and Epilepsy? Probably. Probably. Uh, David was then subjected to three lesser exorcisms. So Lorraine thought that they could exorcise the demons because she thought that there were multiple demons through like smaller exorcisms man so i don't want to get mad at lorraine but this really sounds like this boy is having seizures yeah it really does and like he's not well yeah um so uh if you're listening to um our show every once in a while you might need to ask yourself demon or something you should see a doctor about demon or epilepsy yeah it's a big question so if you're ever like experiencing like dry mouth or you smell something funny and you think demon or should I see a doctor? Noel, what's the right answer? You should see a doctor. Yeah. Yeah. Not your priest. Mm-hmm. Doctor. Doctor first. Pretty much every time I would answer that question, I do hope you say go to the doctor. Yeah. I mean, pretty much any question to me, I am like, you should see a demon doctor. or a doctor. Well, any question in general. It's like, For sure. doctor. <laughs> Get all your legal advice from Dr. Schmidt. Right. You should see a doctor. Um, <laughs> that's just how I respond to people. Um, so on, this is an interesting note. On October 1980, or in October 1980, the Warrens contacted the Brookfield police to warn them that the, uh, oh, I'm so sorry. It's clearly been a very long day of doing nothing. Um <laughs> To warn them that the situation had become dangerous. Uh, So the exorcisms began. Over the course of time, there were six priests involved. Um, Lorraine claims that six. I know. I just, I had a real rough cut in my mind about like uh, six priests and one boy. But then I decided. Yeah. But now it's out there. Well, I didn't make, I didn't. (laughs) Truly, that's your mind doing all the work you needed to do. That's fine. We've um, gotten to the point where, like, that joke would write itself to anybody. Yeah. I didn't even bother with it. We didn't even need to say it. No. It was out there. I don't. Um, the, the, other, oh, the other thing worth noting about this is the, the, uh, the real reason that they wanted to do the lesser exorcisms or the smaller ones is because that d- they didn't require Vatican approval. 
so they could just slide these on through mm. with the local, like the local diocese uh, signing off on it. So that's cool. Um, Lorraine claims that David levitated, ceased breathing at one point, and displayed precognition. Um, Arnie claims that he coerced one of the demons during an exorcism and told him, to, like, basically called out to the demon and was like, Take me! Take me, not him! <laughs> they see their worlds um, in cinema, don't they? Yeah. That's very... That's amazing. So yeah. this hero shouts out, take me. Take me. And then like wind is blowing everywhere and music is crescendoing around him. Oh, good. And then somebody's like, "Where? who's playing the music? Yeah. And like, <laughs> all of these things are happening and lights are flicking on and off. You know, and like then, from the craft or other things where it's like, like you hear a wind chime and then like the wind blows out a candle. Yeah. That happened too. Yeah. That also happened. Yeah. <laughs> Just really have to capture that that moment. Uh, there's actually um, an episode of a sh- the show called A Haunting. On uh, I actually paid to watch it. I paid two dollars to watch this episode um, on Dest- Destination Something. It's a Travel Channel channel. Oh. Um, and so there's an episode about this, and so of course they're doing the exorcism in this boy's house and it is just like that where like lights are going off and winds blowing everywhere and he's like standing in front of the boy and he's like take me take me and you're like come on dude so did they take him instead well let me tell you oh my god a few days later arnie was attacked by the demon when it took why are the demons so slow why does it take him days i know well they're toying with them because okay. maybe he was like, "Ooh, I'm in the clear." Got Have you noticed, like, like in all the stories with the rate about how quickly we do our business, like ghosts happen much, much faster these days. Mm-hmm. I just feel like, yeah, this is like a, certainly a pre-internet ghost where every like every three to four days is enough terror to sustain. Whereas right. now we're like, wait, this wasn't a twenty-four-seven deal. What is that book that I was talking to you about a long time ago, or not a long time ago, but a while ago? Um, to kill a mockingbird. Yes. No, America's Most Beloved Ghost Story, (laughs) starring Boo Radley. (laughs) Boo Radley. Uh, And a girl named Scout. Um, uh, Oh, The Little Stranger. Oh, yeah. Is that it? The Little Stranger? Yeah. Um, Where, maybe, you you don't really know. Mm. Did you finish? I did, yeah. Oh, okay. Um, It's it's being made into a major motion picture. A major motion picture? You don't say. I do say. Um, But what's interesting about that, kind of like to your point about how quickly ghosts happen now, is that it's at times painfully slow. Like, how things happen in that story. It's beautifully written, but like you're just like waiting for something to happen and then nothing happens. Like the suspense is like always hanging and then you're like, ugh. You just described Brexit. I described all things British. Yeah. I was going to start with British and then I just went right to Brexit. Sarah Waters is a really great British writer, though. She's really good. And she's so beautifully done. Beautiful. And she's, it's very slow. It's very, very slow. But that's like that Victorian kind of haunting mm-hmm. style is it was always very slow. Mm-hmm. And I've been watching a lot of uh, old horror films lately because, you know, um, why not? <laughs> And it's because I'm sad. But it's what's beautiful I'm about just No, it's because of what it makes me happy. Well, then I guess, yeah, I'm sad. Um, 
They brought Joe Bob Briggs back, and so that? he uh, he used to do a show called um, The Drive-In with Joe Bob Briggs. It was I think it was on TBS, and he would host horror films like the same kind of shtick as Elvira, oh, where okay. he would like introduce them and do like um, an intro and talk about the movie, like that Svengali kind of model. Um, and Shutter brought him back to do it, so I've been watching a lot of that. But what's great about these older movies is that. It's not all rise and suspense and, like, a jump at every corner. It, like, it's drawn out. And I think that if we're talking about real ghosts or spirits, that's probably more the reality of it, is that they're not jumping out at every corner or, you know, can and can they really actually make things move and cause the, that kind of noise? I don't know. That's a much deeper conversation, mm-hmm. but... Um, I think that's a really interesting point, Mm -hmm. that things happen so fast now. Yeah, the pace and the tempo. Yeah. you got to keep it even. Even keel ghosts. Right. (laughs) Starring Alice and Jenny. They've got an eternity. Like, they're in no hurry. (laughs) (laughs) Even keel jokes. Alice and Jenny. Alice and Jenny plays uh, Jenny Keel. Oh, how perfect would that be? Mm -hmm. This fall on NBC. (laughs) Also, oh, that's happening. Okay. Um, so what did I say? Oh, Arnie was attacked by a demon that took control of his car. Uh, and Wait, the demon took control of his car? The demon took control of the, the car. ancient demon from Bible times? Yes, that's Can right. drive? Well, or it caused him to drive his car into a tree, Whew. basically. Any born story has an automobile hitting that tree. First turning point, always. That is very true. I didn't even think about that. That is a common occurrence. It, it really is. I think it's like one of the things they're like, what do we write for this one, Lorraine? Ed, just write a thing about a car. <laughs> it really, Don't forget the tree. People find it relatable. They're still drinking and driving. <laughs> people hit trees all the time. <laughs> I'm doing the one-handed type. People <laughs> hit trees all the time. It's totally normal. Um, well, the good news is that Arnie was unharmed. Oh, phew. But then... But why tell us about it? <laughs> bum, bum, bum. <coughs> oh, no. At first sight, it seems like an unrelated, non-fatal car accident. But it turns out... He wasn't drunk. He was possessed. Oh, oh. that happens. That used to happen to Nick Nolte. <laughs> Still and, does. And ripped torn. Ripped torn for sure. Sorry, not drunk, possessed. It looks that way. <laughs> That's like the, as soon as the cop comes up to him in the window with a flashlight in his face, he just like hands up, possessed. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm like, oh, rip. Again. Again. Somebody comb his hair. Mm-hmm. By the way, uh, ripped torn uh, might be one of my favorite celebrity names ever. It's really a good name. It's just two synonyms for like. Tearing asunder. I really, really like it. Rip, torn. <laughs> it sort of asks a question and answers it. It's it's so good. Yeah, yeah it, really, it does. really does. It's it's unfortunate how he ended up. Um, is he still with us? <laughs> Do you mean here at your house? Yeah, for the ghost studio. Rip, rip. <laughs> he was having a bagel earlier. Rip, huh? No. Okay. Clean up after yourself. He's not with us. He is not with us. Okay. Uh, later, Arnie returned to the rental property to examine an old well that he was told allegedly housed the demon. So if you're following along, 
the demon lives in the well yeah. under the ground. I'm checking that. That's okay. where demons live. Yeah, cool. Checks out. Mm-hmm. They're um, found often uh, by potable water. <laughs> <laughs> in near sewers. <laughs> near stank. Where the waste collects. Um, there, he made eye contact with the demon and became possessed. Oh, I thought eye contact was going to be like, and they fell in love. I know. That's what you would think. Yeah, that pause made me really... Nope. Possessed. Oh. By no. the demon. Sure. Yeah, it's a bummer. Proposed to by the demon. <laughs> it's such a really great moment in that movie. Um, he, he claims that was his final lucid memory. Um, Before what? Well, just wait. Hey, wait, eye contact with the devil was his last lucid memory? Yeah, with okay. the demon. Oh, the demon, not the devil. Not the devil. All right. Not Lucifer. The, de- the demon. The demon. I don't know which. There's sure. so many. There are so many. Um, so David's, David's condition worsened. And because of that, Debbie and Arnie decided it was time to move out of her mother's house. Uh, so um, no update on what happened to David. Um, That's it for him? He's out of the story? He's out of the story. Uh, according to that show that I watched. The child is now gone. The child is, he's still with us, but like. Oh, whose child was he? He's Debbie's younger brother. And he, he was living with, they were married at 19 no. and 20. They were dating. And, and they were living in a house with her little brother? No, he came to help them move. And Into then, the house that they owned together? They were renting. So they were together. They were together. Got it. And he was helping them, like, move in. And then he was pushed by an old man who also looked like a demon. So they probably had a bunch of, like, weird, like, you're not married, you're living together baggage. Maybe. But then, like... The Warrensies probably did. Oh. They were probably like, this is a sin house. Yeah. Oh. Well, because it had to be, like, what, the late 60s, early 70s? It was uh, 1980. 80? All right. So then, but then house. when all of this house. started happening, or when they couldn't afford their rent, um, they moved in with her mom. Okay. And like helped with all the exorcisms and all the stuff with David. So, according to all of the stories that I've read, he just eventually gets better. Oh, okay. Um, according to that show that I watched, he. Everybody, all of the demons, everybody, all the demons were exercised out of him, and he was fine. Um, but, so, the two of them move out, and they move into uh, an apartment that's owned by Debbie's employer, Alan Bono. They sound really down on their luck. I don't know. Yeah. Did their friends call them bad luck couple? They didn't, that I know of, but they may have. <laughs> Bad luck couple who fights. <laughs> Sounds right. Yeah. Bad luck couple who fights. Yeah. That's what it's everyone kind of says to it. When they like, leave a party and they're like, oh, there goes bad luck couple who fights. Oh, we should steer clear of them. Oh, my God. But one of them is so good at trivia. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've got some news about them, but stay tuned. So, um... Uh, Debbie was working as a dog groomer for Alan Bono. They move into this apartment that's owned by him. Um, soon after they move in, Arnie begins exhibiting similar behaviors to that of David's. On February 6th, 
1981. Arnie calls out sick to work. Um, if you're curious, he was working as a tree trimmer. Um, <laughs> just I know. wasn't, but now I am. I just thought you want, might want to know. Yeah. What? Uh, by the way, <laughs> since we're on the topic of tree trimming, what a what a down and out job for somebody in Connecticut. You can only tree trim like let's say five months out of yeah. the year. Yeah. This is hard luck couple. I mean, I get the impression that Arnie wasn't into working because he called out sick to work and then he showed... Wait, he's a tree trimmer and he called out sick to work? Correct. Come on, dude. Yeah, I know. And then he joined Debbie at the kennel where she worked. He didn't go to his job, but he went to her job? He went to her job with his sister, Wanda, Oh. and Debbie's nine-year-old cousin, Mary. Who are these ancillary people? <laughs> well... They're about to be part of the story. Oh, thank God. So Lorraine? Oh, um, no. Lorraine's our guy. Alan Bono, who is the boss and lo- landlord, bought the group lunch at a local bar and then proceeded to drink heavily. Ooh. I think just Alan, because I think that... I don't think the nine-year-old was drinking. Um, you don't know. But They yeah. sound like rough people. So while he's drinking, <laughs> Debbie takes the girls to go get pizza and when they return, Bono's very drunk and um, starts instigating stuff. He seizes Mary, who's the nine-year-old, and refuses to let her go. What a weirdo! Yeah, so like him and Arnie are going back and forth. I want to kick the shit out of him. Right. So then he eventually releases Mary, and Alan's like about to kick the shit out of him. And Wanda, who is Arnie's sister is trying to restrain him and hold him back. But Arnie is growling and hissing. (laughs) And then he draws a five-inch pocket knife and stabs Bono multiple times all over his body. Bono dies. What? Several hours later. What? And then Arnie takes off and is later found two miles from the site. And he's arrested. So Arnie Cheyenne Wilson, what was his last name? Johnson. Johnson, just up and turns into the devil. Yeah. Murders the landlord. Yeah. Do you think that the landlord? I think he was putting the moves on old girl. Probably. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Because she's all dog grooming and stuff, but really, like she's just grooming, or he's grooming her. Oh, okay. So we did that. Who's grooming who? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Okay. So he gets murdered, most foul, by the demon. Yes. So a day later, Lorraine said that Arnie was possessed during the time of the murder. And the trial became known as the Demon Murder Trial. As it should. Right. It could have had so many dumb titles. (laughs) So many. It could have been called, like, Drunk Loser Hisses. Demon Murder Trial is definitely Demon Murder Trial is, like, way better. Uh, so, um, Arnie's lawyer, Martin Manella, traveled to England to meet with other lawyers who had been involved in similar cases. Holy shit. He, um, he was going to bring out people familiar with, um, exorcisms and he was, he had like this whole case planned around it and he attempted to file a plea of not guilty by possession, but the judge overruled it as there was no evidence to support the case and it's a a ridiculous claim so the jury was then not allowed to consider demonic possession as a viable explanation (laughs) (laughs) this is all this is mostly from um 
Wikipedia and that's of course, amazing. Um, uh, Lorraine's website. The legal, the legal history of um, ghosts and, and witching. Mm-hmm. Actually, I should do a whole episode on it. Now that I think about it, yeah, because it is fascinating that like you truly could argue all of this weird shit yeah. up until very recently. Yeah, there's there's absolutely no way legally you should ever be able to be like, oh yeah, I was possessed by a demon. It's it, it, there's you can't prove it. You can't prove it. You also can't disprove it because it's so improvable. Right. It really only hinges on faith. Yeah. Interesting. All right. I know it's, what I'm doing no, next yeah. time. <laughs> it's really interesting, right? Yeah. Because l- let's say this is true. It's okay. Yes. But just look, for the sake of argument's sake, like they have no way because the demon's never going to manifest or show itself. Mm-hmm. So like you know why is fucked. Demons are too clever. Yes, that's what they always tell you. Right. The reason why no one smart ever sees a demon is because they're like, ah, the demon, the demon was tricking us. Right, because they're manipulative. Because they're uh, servants of the devil. They're fallen angels. They're all of the things. Like it's that's a get out of jail free pass. If you know what I mean. I do know what you mean. Good. Great. Um, so Johnson was after uh, fifteen hours of deliberation. Uh, 15 hours. 15 hours. We just did it in two minutes, but all right. There were eyewitnesses, and they still took 15 hours. He was convicted of first-degree manslaughter and sentenced to 10 to 15 years, five of which he served. Did he go to a helpful prison for his ailment, or did they just send him into hard time? I, I think they just sent him into hard time. I don't that I don't know. But but what's most interesting about all of this is, is that, that he should have been in a prison for the mental, mentally yeah. insane. Yeah, um, mentally handicapped. Uh, the thing is, is that <laughs> sorry, sorry, <laughs> criminally insane. <laughs> criminally insane. That's it. Um, <laughs> we'll get there. Um, you know how they said he was possessed? Yeah. But, oh, yeah. like, no exorcism, nothing. Like, is he still possessed? Did the demon just leave after he, like, got arrested? I, yeah, like, I mean, like... What, what happened Culture here? tells us the demon left right after he murdered that man. He was like, my work here is done. <laughs> You're going to prison. <laughs> Don't worry. You'll get the lesser... Lesser uh, charge of manslaughter. Wow. So, uh, there are a couple things... Um, there was a made-for-TV movie in the early 80s. I didn't write down the year, but I think it was 1983 um, on NBC called The Demon Murder Case. Demon Murder. I'd like to find that and watch it. Um, Lorraine published a book with the assistance of a man by the name of Gerald Brittle called The Devil in Connecticut. Um, David, you remember David? Yeah, From of the beginning? Yeah. David and his brother... Ew, David. (laughs) Yeah, David, get out of there. Ew, David, you're haunted. (laughs) Ew. Uh, My brother's totally possessed. We can't (laughs) go to my mom's house. Um, (laughs) David and his brother Carl sued the authors and book publishers for violating their rights to privacy, libel, and intentional affliction of emotional distress. Uh, Carl claims the possession story was a hoax concocted by Ed and Lorraine and used to exploit his brother's mental illness. And we don't, we don't believe that person. Carl is David's brother. No, I'm kidding. We should, we should have believed this person for sure. We totally have. Yeah. Yeah, So the person who's like at the, at the lead of this is like, 
Yeah, they made that up, and my brother was like crazy, and then he murdered somebody, and this whole thing is really exploitative. So this... we don't believe. <laughs> I just think that right. culturally we've decided not to believe. I know, right? The one person who who truly has a reason to lie is this right. guy. So, well, so Carl and David. So David's the younger brother who was originally possessed, and Carl is his brother, mm-hmm. and then Arnie is their brother-in-law, and mm-hmm. he's the one who murdered the guy. Yeah. There's a lot. I'm sorry. There's a lot of people. No, no, no. I've got it. Okay. Um, so Carl states that the Warrens told them, told the family, that the money they earned would make them millionaires and help them get Johnson out of prison. Johnson. Ernie Cheyenne Johnson. Um, he said that the publicity forced him to drop out of school, lose friends, and miss out on business opportunities. He is now writing a book called Alone Through the Valley. Currently? Carl is, yeah. In this day and age, in 2019? Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> nothing like nothing, nothing like waiting 40 years to set the record right. straight. Now it's my time. <laughs> uh, they always say revenge is a plate best served so cold, so icy cold. Ice cold. Antarctica cold. <laughs> That's good. Um, uh, Debbie and Arnie married and are still married and stand by their story and the Warrens' story and say that this all brought them closer together and their love is stronger than ever. She married that man after he murdered her boss? Yeah. In front of her face? Yeah. Yeah. So. Correct. Bad judgment couple. Who fights all the time. <laughs> they were unlucky couple before. But, oh yeah, you know. bad judgment couple. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I know what we'll do. We'll get married. Okay. That fixes everything. Um, Yeah. So. Is Arnie still alive? Arnie's still alive. They're not. I mean, they're probably, um, they're probably both like in their late 50s, early 60s, if that. They're still youngish people. Um, Still living, living the life. He's out of prison. They're, and actually you can see them. On the show, A Haunting, um, on Destination something, I, f- I forget the name of the channel, um, the episode is called Where Demons Dwell, and they're both on there, and they both um, actually look like very normal, waspy-type people. Huh. It's kind of uh, surprising. Um, the thing that bugs me about that show that I paid $2 for um, <laughs> to watch for research um, is that it only covers David's story. It doesn't actually talk about Arnie's possession or um, him killing the man. They like completely leave that part out. Wow. Which is really misleading to the story because the story is about him, really. Hmm. Um, yeah. it's And that also adds an element with... Um, I didn't include... Uh, but there's stuff about Arnie's mother, too, that apparently she had moved in with them and she had moved into the house and she wouldn't leave the house, the rental property. Huh. But that was on the show. I didn't really find that anywhere else. Hmm. So I don't know if that's a fabricated story or what the deal is with that. But interesting stuff. So that is the uh, story of The Devil Made Me Do It. The Devil Made Me Do It. Please, let's start... Using that excuse. <laughs> you think that's new? No. That's the devil's new. in the details? Mm-hmm. Um, all right. I'm going to do one more really quick one. Okay. Um, I think you're going to like this. 
so uh, this takes place in England um, in a little seaside town um, and it starts um, in 1952 in the town of Southend, England um, where nine-year-old William Ramsey was out in the garden uh, playing by himself and he was like kids his age do basically playing like war games like pretending to shoot guns he'd just seen a movie about world war ii so he was out acting like he was a fighter pilot um and then all of a sudden he gets like this feeling of cold and um it was a nice warm afternoon but he just has this really weird chill inside of him um and then he there's an unpleasant odor Um, And he actually described it. This is a direct quote. Um, He described it like this. Have you ever walked into a meat locker right after you've been outside on a hot day? That's what this was like. I was playing and my body temperature was normal. And then, well, I'd say it felt as if my body temperature dropped a good 20 degrees. Sweat froze on me and my whole body started shaking. It was as if I'd uh, I'd opened this door and stepped inside another dimension or something. And there was this odor, very foul. A few years earlier, a sewer line on our street had backed up. I'd never, I'd never smelled anything as bad as the gases that escaped. And that's what this smell was like that day. I was afraid I was going to vomit. Um, so he is kind of freaked out, obviously. And then he feels something inside of him change. And um, he feels like this kind of like intense rage and he's trying to like figure out what's going on um and he's seeing like images of wolves around him and he suddenly has the urge to run on all fours down the street um his mother comes out and sees this and she's like what's going on and she's trying to get him out of his days and he like is like burning with rage basically and it like freaks his mother out so she backs away from him and all of a sudden he like tears a nearby fence post completely out of the ground along with the concrete mooring and the wire fence Uh he's nine um and basically just holds it out and is swinging it um in front of his parents and they just stand there and wait and then he finally like because what do you do what do you do? What's his name again? His name's William or Bill. I, I mean, like William, put down the barbed wire concrete. Right. Do your do the minimum as a parent and disapprove. Yeah, at least. Um, that's not how that works. <laughs> there are choices. Is that a good one? This is not the correct one. I'm not um, saying like like they're doing a bad job parenting by just taking it for granted I, that they're being that their son is. I right. superhuman because he's not possessed by a demon, but at least like some corrective, right? Some corrective uh, verbals. Sure, they... I think I William. Mean, time out. I think I got. Is this the devil or William? <laughs> who am I speaking to? With um, who am I speaking? <laughs> I uh, uh, I I think I've got to side with his parents on this. I probably would have been like so shocked that I would have been like. Oh, no, just like, like slowly uh, back uh, into the uh, house. Uh, that is infrastructure that belongs to the town and not us. Well, his his father. Uh, uh, uh. 
They are British, that's right. Yeah, right? Um, His father decided to uh, try to subdue him, but he was met with a strength far beyond what he was expecting and unable to pry the fence post from his son's grip. Um, Bill is snarling and lashing out, so his father retreats back into the house. Still walking like a dog? Uh, I think he was standing and just swinging. He had the urge to. Walk. He had the urge. Yeah. Okay. So he. But he kept it together. Decorum. Decorum asked the question: Should you walk like a dog? No. He was like, "No, I'm upright." <laughs> he, yes, I'm gonna swing this fence around. What am I, an animal? <laughs> uh. So he. Ah uh, ah uh, ah! Uh, there are choices. <laughs> Calm it down. Ah, ah, ah. It's like an automated, like a recording that they play that he just hears. Ah, ah, ah. Choices, William. Positive chastising. (laughs) Which actually is not a really, that's not a bad idea. I think I will, uh, my new podcast will just be positive chastising. Is that really the decision that you're going to make? Yeah. Have we thought this through? (laughs) Okay, so you're going to wear that. There we go. You and I, what are we doing on this ghost panel? I know, we've got this. Passive-aggressive mothering. Um, You're not going to iron that? I may have had some of that. Uh, So, uh, he has this tantrum. You should about bangs. (laughs) And this is why I have bangs. Um, (laughs) Just for framing. (laughs) A face for bangs. face for bangs. Um, So, Bill has a... He has this tantrum, and then uh, a few minutes later, he calms down, and he drops the fence post, and uh, everything, all the coldness just kind of, like, escapes his body. Oh, good. So he's back, He's baby. back. Okay. Um, the family then, like, res- resumes the rest of their day. They eat dinner. They never really talk about it. Um, <laughs> so this track so far. Just kind of. Uh, live their life. Bill goes on to have a normal life. He gets married. He has three kids. He's, um, you know, a, a respectable person in the community. Um, and so, but shortly after his marriage, he starts to have these vivid nightmares. Um, and he would wake up panting or growling like an animal. Um, uh, they eventually stopped in 1967. Um, and then they would, you know continue their life and everything was fine and then in the mid 1980s there was a or in the 1980s there were a series of odd incidents so the first one was in 1983 bill was out drinking with a group of friends and he felt that rush of coldness again mm-hmm. um so he went into the bathroom and when he looked in the mirror um he saw a wolf staring back at him yes he did oh uh, my yes uh he um of course was freaked out and so he asked to be taken home and as he was riding in the car he was overcome by an irresistible rage that overtook his body and uh stole its control from him which stole its control of him um and he began to snarl wildly and turning to the friend next to him he uh, attempted to bite his leg yes so the driver pulled over the car he didn't hit a tree he did not hit a tree. Oh, okay. And he really was drunk driving, it sounds like. Yes. Well, you know, Brits. Well, at the pub. Sure. Just kidding. <laughs> we all... They, I don't know. I'm kidding. Uh, the driver pulls over. They restrain Bill. They get him under control. 
Um, it took all of the guys in the car to do it because, oh again, God. he had, like, this freakish strength. Um, and then he calmed down again after a few minutes. And he later said he didn't remember anything of the odd incident. Um, God. Then later that year... He sounds like... He sounds like not fun. No. Here's what I would say. If, if you know... I know this predates texts. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if he texts you or he's like, you up... The answer is either ignore or no. Right. You are never up. I don't think you respond. No. Yeah. I think you ignore. This motherfucker wants to, like, lose it like a wolf. Do you think they're like, oh, God, it's Reggie Bill. Reggie <laughs> Bill. Uh, no, oh, no. Don't respond. He's going to pick up a concrete. I can't do another night with oh. him after too many pints. Reggie Bill. Oh, hello, out. Bill. Reggie Bill <laughs> we don't call you that um, oh no my phone was on uh, so <laughs> shit I sent this text to the wrong person <laughs> alright so Reggie Bill so Reggie Bill at uh, around Christmas in 1983 um, he suffered from nearly um, incapacitating sharp chest pains okay. so he was once again overcome by a cold sweat um, and he thought it was a, a heart attack, so he made <laughs> rightfully so. By the way, as one should. Right. Uh, it's not the wolf! He thought it was a heart attack, and then he was like, oh, phew, it's a demon. <laughs> Everybody chill. I've had it before. A heart attack would have been like, woo! Big news in my house. Um, he found his way to the nearest hospital emergency room, and uh, they immediately, like, Put him on a gurney and sent him to be examined. Um, but then the chill st- returned again. Um, and a nurse was bending over to examine him. And he let out a roar and lashed at her and uh, lashed out at her and bared his teeth and bit into her arm. So he, like, sexually assaulted slash wolfed out on the nurse? He did. He did. And then he threw furniture around and scurried into a corner of the room to growl and roar. And he's in prison to this day. And pace like an animal. No? Nope. Yeah. Uh, police arrived, and together with the hospital staff, they were able to restrain him again, like, showing this immense strength. Um, and they sedated him with tranquilizers. Um, he Witnesses w- would say later say that Bill had seemingly or seemed completely, utterly animalistic at the time, with his hands curved into claws, teeth bared, lashing out at those around him, and snarling and growling unintelligibly. But, like, real nice. (laughs) Just a real good guy. One of the police... No one one ever thought he'd do anything. We never thought this of of Bill. (laughs) Sure, we call him Ragey Bill. There was there were so many oh man my journals just fill like top to bottom back to front all the weird shit Bill did but I never expected fill in the blank we just thought he was being Bill yeah so uh, can can we play uh, Bill multiple choice <laughs> a uh, the demon made him rip someone's face off B the demon made him rip his own face off. C, it never got further than dog snarls, thank God. D, nothing happened. Stay tuned. Okay. Um, Oh, man, I didn't get it. uh, No, you got it. Oh, I did. Oh, yay. Yeah. Uh, So one of the policemen who helped restrain him uh, said that Bill's eyes had looked feral and wolf-like. 
Um, so he was taken to Runwell Mental Hospital. And when the drugs wore off, he had no collection of what happened. And um, because he had entered there voluntarily, he checked himself out. Um, and then a month later, in January of 1984, he went to visit his mother. And as he was driving home, he felt another episode coming on. Um, so he rushed as fast as he could to the hospital. So Bill is like, he recognizes that this He's is not honest. good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he gets his symptoms and then he... And then he, then like, he tries out. to eat people. Yeah. Um, so, again, he goes to the same emergency room. Um, but the, this time, the wolf-like ferocity had already consumed him. Oh, and so this nurse told him to wait a moment for the doctor. And he lashed out at her and threw her roughly... Jesus Christ, this is the second woman he's assaulted in this whole story. He throws her to the floor before pouncing, and then he pounced on a startled orderly, and he choked him and tried to bite him. So police again arrive. Four officers um, circle him, and uh, they restrain him again. Um, So the police said it took all four of them and all of their strength to get Bill into handcuffs, and that he had been much stronger than his appearance would suggest to the point that they wondered if the handcuffs would eventually or even hold him. Bullshit, they thought that. Right. <laughs> but it's good for, for this story. It's really, it's really good for this story. Um, so... Also, how many times do you need to assault people in England to get arrested? I know, right? Well, now... So now they take him to the, the station, and he's interrogated, and he is, you know, telling the story, and of course it's falling on to, like, skeptical ears. Um, so they're like, you need to check yourself into a mental hospital. So he refuses. Um, and then a few years later... On July 22nd, 1987, he stops by a bar called the White Horse Inn to have a drink after dinner, or after work. He meets up with some friends. They have a good time. He leaves the bar. Um, He's a little drunk, so he's thinking he's too drunk to drive. Um, And he might get pulled over, but then he drives anyway and decides to take a quiet route home where he can avoid the cops. Um, but he comes across a prostitute walking along the street. Oh my God. What a liar and sociopath. Well, wait, he comes across a, he takes a quiet way home to come across. No, a no, no, prostitute. no, no, no. Hold on. It's not going the direction you think it is. He, well, or this is his story. He pulled the van over and I invites her for consensual sex. Anything else is disgusting. He invites her, invites her in, um, who, and she of course gets in, um, his intention, according to him, was Liar. to make a citizen's arrest. And he was going to drive her straight to the police station. How condescending. Yes. To pick up somebody at their job, to act as right. though you were hiring them for that job, and then be so misogynistic to, to suggest it's when like, one is caught that their, their morals were very clear that they were going to make a citizen's arrest. By the way, there is no crime unless he pays her for sex. Correct. Prior to that, she was right. a woman. He's like Barney Fifing all over this. This is BS. Citizens arrest! Citizens arrest! <laughs> God. Um, okay, so he's like clearly lying about picking up a prostitute. So she 
says that things get really strange and it feels like he's about to do her harm. She asks to be let out and then he starts growling under his breath. Oh my god, she's lucky that she got out alive. She, When the car slows down, she panicked and ran to the nearest police station and he followed her out of the car. Um, the When the policeman came close, then like the wolf instinct came out of Bill and he threw the policeman to the ground and began choking him. Um, and uh, more officers came out and they were trying to like pull him off and he was apparently like tossing them to the side and he's actually saying the devil is in me I'm going to kill you Um, it reportedly took six strong police officers strong police officers and several injections of tranquilizer to um, get him to stop Um, once again he doesn't remember any of it Um, uh, so then he finally checks himself into a mental hospital um They run a bunch of tests, including x-rays, MRIs, and various psychiatric tests. Um, But they can find nothing. And he is kept there for 10 days, in which time he's, like, totally fine. So they release him. Um, So this, of course, prompts, like, or just creates all of these international headlines. And he becomes known as the South End werewolf um he's had several more violent uh episodes um in several occasions he's it prompts him to go to the police and plead to be locked up because he's so afraid that he's going to hurt somebody um so of course this captures the attention of ed and lorraine warren and they get in touch with him through the local law enforcement and they um, convince him to come over to the states to um, receive a, an exorcism because they are convinced that he is possessed by a form of a demon animal spirit. God. So they talk him into coming to Connecticut mm-hmm. to their church, and he <laughs> undergoes an exorcism. Just what they need, right? <laughs> like, Somebody who's been, like, assaulting people in their small English town to come over to their church? Yeah. Okay. So, Bishop Robert McKenna, who had many exorcisms under his belt. Complacent and or, like... Doesn't give a fuck. Really, really, really has a lot of, like, blood on his hands. Yeah. Probably both. Jesus Christ. Um, so, Bill and his <laughs> wife go to the States um, for Bishop Robert to conduct uh conduct an exorcism uh the pictures are pretty pretty amazing i think there's one of him where he's like this where he's basically like reeling but like making claws with his hands um in the days before there was one instance where he attempted to choke his wife in her sleep nope um he of course didn't remember um so (laughs) Do you remember anything? Like, do they ever do like a test with like they, a controlled no, test to no. be like, do you remember your I don't, street? Doubtful. Do you remember your address? Oh, doubtful. You, you remember everything, but attacking women. Doubtful. So they go, they go to the church or they go to wherever to do the the exorcism. So it's the bishop, the Warrens, Bill and his wife, a paranormal paranormal investigator by the name of John Zaffis, 
And staff from the uh, magazine, the, the tabloid magazine, The People, who funded the trip, there are several off-duty police officers um, who were there to serve as bodyguards. Uh, Bill was pretty skeptical about all of it. Um, yeah, right. They give him a ticket to... Yeah. Come to the U.S. for free. Uh, this, this, by the way, does not reek of skepticism, but that's all right. Right. Well, the whole time he was like, this is, he was actually calling it mumbo jumbo. He thought it was a waste of time. Sure. Um, so the man who committed multiple crimes and blamed it on the, de- the devil. Right. Um, but eventually, uh, things, things worked out for the best. Um, Lorraine Warren would later claim that uh, his physical characteristics changed with his ears appearing more pointed, his face more feral, and his hands more claw-like. Bishop McKenna also said that Bill's appearance had changed and that the moment the frenzied demon possessed man lunged toward him, trying to maul him. Um, so, uh, the, the exorcism was a success. Oh, finally. Um, Bill would later say the poison that had been in my body drained from me completely I was left without any strength at all, and when I turned back to look at Nina, that's his wife, that small movement caused me to black out. I gripped the chair as tightly as I could and let the demon continue to be pushed away by Bishop McKenna's Latin words. Um, it's all on film, so you can find it on the internet. Um, and he... Uh, Bill went on to lead a peaceful life <laughs> with his wife, Nina. Because <laughs> he, he didn't have to account for his crimes. He did not have to account for his crimes. Uh, Ed and Lorraine wrote a book called Werewolf, A True Story of Demonic Possession. Uh-huh. Um, so they state, you know, they believe that he was, he was possessed by some form of a demon, of course. Um, another possible... Uh, thing is a mental condition known as clinical lycanthropy in which the victim truly believes they are shape-shifting into an animal which can range from wolf to bear to pretty much any other animal including even frogs, rabbits, and bees. Um, It's a thriving community here in Chicago that believes all these things. (laughs) Right. Uh, So bottom line is uh, poor Bill Ramsey probably had some kind of mental psychosis that is probably untreated and um, has gone untreated. I'm going to get rid of the words poor, and I'm going to get rid of the words probably. I don't feel sorry <laughs> for him at all, and it's very clear. Also, let's, I have to clap on the air one more time for any guy who's ever mistakenly pre- picked up a prostitute. Right. What woman has that ever happened No, he to? knew she was a prostitute or a sex worker, but he was going to make a citizen's arrest. Yeah, was. That was his alleged intention. Um, I just get so upset when I hear that, because uh, you know... One of the things that we know from uh, our love of true crime and or murder is that um, prostitutes slash sex workers uh, are very likely to be killed by their johns. Yes. And so for one of them to be like, I wasn't going to hurt her, like BS. Right. Half of what drives you is that urge. Right. That superior urge to to be like, how dare you have sex for me Mm -hmm. because I want you to. (laughs) Right. It's, well, and... She clearly knew something was up right off the bat. Like, and yeah. she freaked out, and she... If she freaked out, it happened. It happened. 
Exactly. So the fact that he was like, I'm going to take this alternate route home. Like, he had this oh, yeah. planned out story. Because he's a psycho and a liar. Yes. Yeah. Um, I, real quick, I want to just make sure that I note that most of that came from MysteriousUniverse.org. Um, .org. It's a .org. Uh, they, that website actually I go to a, a lot oh, really? for research. They have a lot of good stuff. Um, but I think, like, the thing that always trips me up is, like, everybody keeps talking about, like, his, the strength that he, that he showed and, like, how mm-hmm. they had, it took all these guys to take him down. But I also kind of have to wonder if it wasn't so much the strength that he was exhibiting or if they were just so like freaked out because he was like mashing his teeth and snarling and doing all of that stuff and just like generally freaking them out and they For were sure. like what the fuck like is he gonna bite me i think both yeah I, and i also think like in the throes of um it sounds like this poor guy had episodes all the time but like in the throes of that i mean people do have quote unquote superhuman strength it's not that they're stronger than they normally could right. be. It's just that we restrain ourselves so much. Right. Without our natural restraint. Like, we could... And people do all the time. We could kill each other. Mm-hmm. We just choose not to. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, I think... Well, and people, like, have bouts of rage where they have the superhuman sure. strength. Like, that is a thing that happens. So he might just have anger management sure. issues that we know of. But... Uh, what we do know is that Ed and Lorraine helped him, <clears throat> and he got a free trip to the States. Wow. I hope he got to see past Connecticut, um, which is a fine, beautiful state, but... For sure. You lots know, of demons there. Lots of demons. Mm-hmm. You know, well, that's where the witches are, and it's close to the water. Mm-hmm. And as we know, demons like potable water. <laughs> um, <laughs> they love it. So, yeah. Well... Noelle, awesome job. Thank you so much for bringing us back into uh, the Ghostiverse. You're welcome. I'm glad to be back. Yeah. So um, thank you, audience, so much for listening to our The Devil, De- the Devil Made Me Do It episode. Uh, we really appreciate um, Noelle bringing it to us. Uh, this show has been sponsored by uh, Bud Light, which I pour into a pint glass and then add lime juice to. <laughs> <laughs> so on one sense, Bud Light Lime, and then in no sense, Bud Light Lime. <laughs> What are you drinking? I am drinking uh, Prophecy Pinot Noir. Prophecy. I forgot already. I'm a little drunk. What did we say? I think that was the original title that you gave. Uh, yeah. Me. I forgot already. <laughs> I'm already oh my drunk. God. It totally predicted this. <laughs> yeah. Prophecy. It'll get you. <laughs> Prophecy. It me. I drunk. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to High Spirits. Um, you can catch us on SoundCloud, the internet, and all those things. <laughs> find no, us on the internet. Find us on the internet. Uh, just a, one clarification. We sure. are High Spirits Chicago. What did I say? No, no, no. This isn't for you. Oh. We are High Spirits Chicago, the podcast, not High Spirits, the band from Chicago. A, there was a recent mix-up on the Instagram, which oh. was kind of amusing. Because we actually I, we actually have a mutual friend yeah. with the band. Um, they were playing a show in Detroit, and they were like, come out and see High Spirit Chicago. And I was like, not us. Oh, wow. That's amazing. Yeah. But I was there. 
Right. It was cool. It was weird because we were there. The bar is called Smalls in Detroit, so I want to give them a shout out. Smalls. Smalls. Um, I had a, a nice, fun exchange with uh, whoever does their social media, and they were like, oh, no, I wish I could untag people from stories. And I was like, we'll take it. Thanks. It's fine. Um, Socials. Yeah. Listen to High Spirits, the band. I hear they're great. Um, I've heard a couple of their songs. And go to Smalls if you're in Detroit. Yeah. <clears throat> and without further ado... Although, adieu. Adieu. <laughs> and you. Yeah. Without further ado, Noelle has one last disgusting thing to say to you. Sweet dreams.